I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-919-1316 is the number to call or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina back in the studio. Check him out on Twitter at FBomber73. And please tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Tim Ben's going to be joining us in an hour. We also await the shirtless Tom. That's right. Oh, like the, Ohio State. Yeah, it's, it's the, the shirtless, shirtless Tom. Okay. Miss that ass face. <laughs> Got a bone to pick with him on a couple of things, too. So that's all coming in the final hour of the program. I keep seeing people on Twitter, and this drives me. Call the Steelers an 8-8 eight eight team. They're 8-8. Eight eight. They had an 8-8 eight eight draft. It's an 8-8 eight eight team. 8-8 eight eight offseason. 8-8. Eight eight. They're 8-8. Eight eight. They're average. And, yes, literally last year, literally, they were 8-8. Eight eight. They won 8. They lost 8. They lost their last three. It felt pretty crappy. Had they not, they probably would have made the playoffs. We wouldn't be talking about them in the same way. But, yes, 8-8 eight and eight they were. I still feel like it's disingenuous to call them that. As literal as it is, I think that you have to overlook a whole hell of a lot to say that you think that the Steelers would have been an average team last year had they stayed reasonably healthy. The Steelers are 121-20. and 20. I'm going to keep bringing this up. When Ben plays and the defense holds the opposition to 21 or fewer points. Well, last year the Steelers lost when they held the Browns to 21. 14 before we saw the craziness go down at the end. They lost when they held the Bills to 17. And they lost when they held the Jets. The Jets. The J-E-T-S. Suck, suck, suck Jets to 16. Anybody think those games might have gone a little bit different? Had number seven been under center? I'm going to put my hand up. Yeah, I think it would have gone down differently. The Steelers also lost in overtime to the Ravens with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at quarterback. That is a Ravens team that won 14 games last year. 14. Not a team in the regular season. Won more than they did. And the Steelers took them to overtime with Rudolph and Hodges. You don't think that might go different if Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback? They fell by a few points to the Seahawks and the 49ers. All those teams that I mentioned, playoff teams. One had the best record in the regular season, Baltimore. One, the 49ers, went to the Super Bowl. If Ben's there, I'm not saying they win all those games. I don't know if that's fair. Ben has been known to throw an ill-time pick every now and again, right? They went 9-6-1 with Roethlisberger the year before. It's possible they wouldn't have won all those games. It's true. But I'm thinking they win a couple more, and winning a couple more gets them to the playoffs. The Steelers gave up 18 points per game on defense all season long. You can say they went 9-6-1 and the year before. They didn't have that defense. They didn't have Minka. They didn't have that version of Bud Dupree. They didn't have Steven Nelson. Those are three players who made a huge difference in how that defense played one year to the next. That's not an 8-8 defense. They were... As inept on offense as they were good on defense. That's the worst Steelers offense I've ever seen. They scored just nine touchdowns on that side of the ball in their final eight games of the year. I have to feel like that would be different 
than if Ben Roethlisberger was in there. If Ben had played and been average, the Steelers would have been a playoff team. The Steelers offensively averaged 18.1 points per game in 2020. When all the rules don't let your quarterback get hit. When all the rules say that if you touch a wide receiver down the field, it's going to be pass interference. If you touch a wide receiver past five yards, they're very strict about this now. It's illegal contact. If you hit a guy, sometimes even squarely, not in the head, they're going to flag you for it. Offenses should succeed in 2020. And the Steelers put up 18 points per game. It's the worst offense I've ever friggin' seen. It was horrible. Had Ben played their average. Let's play another game. If they weren't just average, right? If they didn't even make it to average, and they were just bad instead of historically bad, they still find a way to make the playoffs. The Steelers could have been dead ass average or worse, and they'd have scored about 23 points per game. In fact, 16th in the league in scoring last year would have been 23 points per game. Yes, it is true. The Steelers were 8 8 last year. Yes, that's the fact. But it's intellectually dishonest to continue to refer to them as such. Because the Steelers aren't some crap team that has no chance to be good this year. That's what I think of when I think of usual 8 8 squads. Ah, oh, they were 8 8. Oh, they were just averages all get out. I don't think this team's going to be average if they're healthy. And. Yeah, you could say, Crowley, you really couched that there by the if-they're-healthy statement. Okay, I can say it about any team in football. I think Tampa's going to be pretty good unless Tom Brady falls off a cliff or down an elevator shaft. I feel like the Chiefs are going to be pretty doggone good unless Patrick Mahomes gets his leg stuck in quicksand. I think the Ravens will be pretty doggone good unless Lamar Jackson falls out of an airplane onto a blimp that catches on fire and falls into the depths of hell. Like, as long as those teams are healthy, they should be good. As long as Ben's healthy, I think the Steelers should be good. And you could say, Crowley, all those players with the exception of Brady that you've mentioned are young. It doesn't matter. It's football. It's a violent sport. Young players get hurt just as much as old players get hurt. I believe that. Even though they protect quarterbacks, dude falls on your leg, guy falls on your leg. Brady never gets hurt, yet... 12 years ago, when he was 28 years old, not 40, 100 years old. I guess he was even older than that. He was 36. Whatever age Tom Brady was in 2008, his knee exploded because some dude fell on it. Players get hurt. So I'm not couching. I'm just being honest. The 2019 Steelers defense was outstanding. If Ben's healthy, they'll make the playoffs because I expect the defense to be good again. The offense, as bad as it was last year, people think, that it's going to be still not great this year? That they had all kinds of holes to fill? I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I think the quarterback makes up for a lot of the flaws. Juju's been pretty good in his career whenever he's had Ben. Deontay Johnson without Ben was one of the best rookie receivers in football and made more people miss, according to Pro Football Focus, than any receiver in football. James Washington looked like he belonged in the NFL for the first time. It's without Ben. That's with two horrific quarterbacks. So to say that the Steelers are average or 8-8 eight and eight to me is annoying and it's dishonest. They add Claypool to that group of wide receivers. He's the most physically gifted receiver of the bunch. Now, the offensive line stands to improve with the addition of Ben, but also with 
unfortunately for him, the subtraction of Ramon Foster. This isn't a mediocre team because they're mediocre. They were average last year because the defense was outstanding and the offense was bad. Ben brings balance. He brings balance to the force. And for that reason, the Steelers will be better in 2020. And anybody who doesn't see that isn't doing it with abject analysis. They're choosing willfully and purposely not to see it. I think 1 through 22, the Steelers have a really good roster. How many first-round picks do they have on defense? Nine? Stephon Tewitt last year was the best defensive player on the team. The best player, really, if you think about it, on the team for the first six, six weeks of the season before he got hurt. And that's on a team where T.J. Watt was the runner-up for the defensive player of the year in the NFL last year. Where Mika Fitzpatrick was an all-pro player. Where Cam Hayward was an all-pro player. Where Steven Nelson should have been in the Pro Bowl. Where Joe Hayden was in the Pro Bowl. Devin Bush, as good as it gets as a rookie inside linebacker. And Stephon Tu was the best player in that defense through six games. And I keep hearing people say, they were average last year. No, not that side of the ball. That side of the ball was Super Bowl worthy. That side of the ball was as good as any unit in the National Football League. The Chiefs offense, the Ravens offense, and the Steelers defense, I think, were the three best units in the entirety of the AFC. Just so happens, though, that the Chiefs on offense, the defense was incrementally better than it was the year prior. So they win some football games. The Baltimore Ravens defense, top five in every statistical category. Helps out that offense. Steelers defense didn't get any help. But not because they weren't good enough, but because they didn't have their best player, period. I actually think an argument can be made, don't roll your eyes, people, that the Steelers are the third best team in the AFC. Now, I'll phrase it this way, because I think this is more accurate. I think it's as likely as not that the Steelers are the third best team in the AFC. And while you say, Crowley... That offense, well, it's not going to be as bad as last year. Still isn't great. Fine. Noted. But I'm now not just looking at the Steelers in a vacuum anymore. The AFC, I don't think it's very good at all. Again, the Chiefs and the Ravens, they look like the best teams on paper. One team won 14 games last year, and that wasn't the team that won the Super Bowl. So those two teams are awesome. The Pats, though, ding-dong, the witch is dead. The Titans... They lost their right tackle, Conklin. They're a good team, not a great team. They won just nine games last year, and while Tannehill was good, I don't know if he's going to be able to repeat that performance. He's Ryan Tannehill. He's in his 30s, and he's had one good year in the NFL. The Texans, Bill O'Brien's a moron. He looks like a thumb in human form, and they lost the best receiver in football due to a trade made by the thumb. And his kid's taking a dump in his house on national television in front of 16 million people. The Colts, they added a 75-year-old quarterback who throws a million picks but doesn't have the other production. You can say Ben's 8 million years old, but at least Ben, the last time we saw him healthy, led the league in touchdown pa- or excuse me, in passing yards and threw 34 touchdowns. Last year, Phillip Rivers was just bad. Now the Bills are good. The Browns have a good roster, but... Everything that I just said, I think, suggests that there's a real legitimate possibility that the Steelers are the third best team in the AFC. I think it's clear the top two. 
And I think that there's a line there that's not so much in sand, but it's like that wall that Trump wants to build or claims he has. That's pretty pretty tough to get over that one. But after that, I mean, throw a blanket over these teams. Which quarterback do you like better? Ben or Josh Allen? I'm taking Ben. Taking Ben or you taking Baker? I'm taking Ben. Now I'll take Deshaun Watson over Ben, but the rest of the roster I'm taking the Steelers. Taking Tannehill, you're taking Ben. Tannehill's done it once. Ben had a passer rating of 90-plus the last 10 years going into this year. Who you trust? Tannehill or the guy who's done it every year? It's not a deep conference. It's not a good conference. And now you're adding a playoff team. In one of, I think, the worst potential fields that the AFC has put out there in years, you add a playoff team. You're going to get not just one not great team in as the seventh seed. I think you're going to get a couple of not great teams in the AFC. You can tell me Denver's improved. They got this lock kid at quarterback. John Elway doesn't know what the hell he's doing from a quarterback standpoint. I think people are out to lunch if they think that the Steelers aren't at least in the conversation to be the third best team in this weak-ass conference. When we return, I watched the rest of the Last Dance documentary last night, at least the fourth episode, and there was a realization that came to me, and it relates to other sports, including hockey. It's not just about the NBA that I want to tell you about next. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Sears Carpet and Air Duct Cleaning. No more big box stores, but still doing floors. Check out their introductory offers. Three rooms clean for $99 or 10 vents clean for $199. Check them out today at SearsClean.com. That's SearsClean.com. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing them homebound. Bubbity, 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 Ah, Shaka Khan. Love it. Love that. Ah, love that Shaka Khan. Love that group. Of the Tootsies. Check out ESPN Pittsburgh's <laughs> new and improved signal in Allegheny County on 106.3 FM. The same great programming with Tunch and Wolf, The Godfather, and Adam Crowley, but with a bigger, better signal in Allegheny County. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM. And now on the new and improved 106.3 FM. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic. Slow going through Monroeville on the William Penn Highway in both directions between the gold <laughs> on ESPN Pittsburgh. Before I get into my meaty take that I've got for the last dance that I watched yesterday instead of Sunday night. I saw someone who works in Chicago. His name is Mark Lazarus. I think he writes for The Athletic. He covers the Blackhawks. Oh, can't say that on the radio. The Chicago Slower. hockey team. Slower. Yeah, you say that Chicago hockey team. Yeah. yeah, that works. Okay. And he tweeted out, Episodes 1 and 2 of The Last Dance weren't very good. I expected to get better, but we already knew all that information. Hey, ass face. Uh, he's not the only guy who tweeted that, right, or said stuff like that. And I do imagine that the episodes will get better. In fact, these last two are better than the first two. You still have to set the scene. 
not everyone grew up watching Michael Jordan and the Bulls because there's a lot of people who have been born on this year planet Earth since Michael Jordan stopped playing basketball. Okay? So you got to set the scene. My wife has watched every episode with me. She is 29 years old. So she was alive while this whole Bulls thing was going down. But she was a little tiny girl who didn't give a rat's ass about the NBA. So you need to set the scene. So people who are being critical of ESPN and saying that the documentary was a little slow off the gate, uh, out the gate, yeah, that's the way it goes. I mean, what do you expect? You, you got to tell people what the hell happened with Michael Jordan. You got to give him a backstory. I, I don't get it. Man, you God, know what? Like for real, man. Like there's unaired footage in there. There's new stuff in there that you haven't seen. And and like you said, not everybody's around there. But I was around. I was covering teams. I was covering the NBA seriously during that time, and I'm learning stuff about it. I mean, there's stuff in there. It's just a bunch of people there trying to prove, like, oh, I covered it, so therefore I have high ground to tell you what you don't know. Shut That's up. That's exactly it. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. There are a couple of people that I hate as sports fans. One is the I'm a bigger fan than you guy. Hmm. Shut up, man. Maybe I don't go to as many games. Maybe I don't paint my face. It doesn't mean that I don't care about the team as much as you do. So go pound rocks. The other guy is... I was there, so I experienced it. <laughs> you suck. No, F you, man. In fact, if you're the guy who's the second dude who I hate, instead of being that person who says, You weren't there. I knew all about it. Why don't you teach the people about it? Like, I think that's cool. I can't wait until I can tell my daughter about Sidney Crosby, right? And Ben Roethlisberger winning championships, although I might have to admit some stuff there. I can't wait to teach her about the teams that I saw growing up win championships. Like, that's awesome to me. There's a teaching that goes on there. Something I cared about, I want her to care about it one day, right? I'm not going to be like, oh, you didn't get to see it, so uh, too bad. So I hate that. Here's the other thing, and this isn't the meaty take either, but I suppose it's now devolving or evolving into one. Why do we got to have an opinion on everything? I mean, why do we got to make everything controversial? The Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, the first two episodes were widely well-received, universally praised. The first four episodes, universally praised. The entire series is going to be universally praised. There's not going to be people who have disliked this thing. Except, of course, there are going to be people who have disliked this thing because nobody disliked it. So you got to be the guy who disliked it. So you can be different than the people who enjoyed it. you got to be different. F that person. F guy who says it's not good, even though everyone else says it's good. And it's kind of it's the same but different as Game of Thrones at the end, where people wanted to rip it. Well, that's not what their character would have done. I would have written it differently. Well, you live in your mom's basement, or you're a 22-year-old kid. You're going to tell me you would write it better than the people who wrote Game of Thrones? Eat my butt, okay? The thing is... You wanted something to complain about, so you complained about it. Was it my favorite season of Game of Thrones? No. Was it still better than just about any TV show that I've ever seen? Was it more spectacular than just about any TV show that I've ever seen? Yes. Is this Michael Jordan documentary awesome, objectively? And should it be subjective? No. It's all it's just awesome, objectively. So shut the hell up. Stop complaining. And just enjoy something that's put in front of you to enjoy. I wonder if this Mark Lazarus guy complains during sex. 
Like, ah, I, well, already I, wish... know, I know what sex is like already. Oh, this sucks. This sucks. I've had way better sex. <laughs> Enjoy the sex you're having. I wish that she'd be bobbing this way. Shut the hell up. Enjoy it. It's sex. Bad sex is good sex if you're a guy. Because it's sex. So stop complaining. Shut up. And let me enjoy what I want to enjoy. And let America enjoy what we are universally enjoying right now in the midst of a quarantine. Because I feel like that needs to be thrown in there, too. We're in a quarantine, man. There's nobody at school. There's nobody at church. There's nobody outside unless you live in Florida. Can you let me, for God's sake, like something when everything else sucks right now? Yeah, half the Thank t- you. half the TV stations are on Skype right now. You're worried about quality? Just give me something right now to watch. I don't give a damn. It's and and to this documentary especially, it's entertaining as hell. I don't care. You can break down minutia and everything, but do I sit through this thing the whole time? Sit there and take stuff in, and at the end go, you know what? That wasn't a waste of my time. That's a success. I don't care if it's good, great, or whatever. Whatever the hell anybody else thinks, if it occupied my time and I feel like I didn't waste it, I'm in good shape. People talk about bad movies all the time. I've seen very few bad movies in my life. I've seen very <laughs> few bad TV shows because uh, I generally know what I'm there for, right? I, I don't think I set myself up to be disappointed for much. I'm going to like what's put in front of me. I'm not, I don't think my wife's going to laugh from the other room, a big-time complainer about those sorts of things. So why can't other people be more like me? I'm perfect. I think that's what we're we're getting to here is yeah. the crowd man is a perfect soul yeah. in a world otherwise filled with jerk offs. Yeah, you're like Jesus. Crowley bless. Here's the take I wanted to get to, but I couldn't get to fast enough because I had to get to the other take that I wasn't planning on giving. I don't know where you come down on this, Brian. I feel like you might disagree with me, but you might not. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the bad boy pistons at all. At all. At all. I get their appeal to certain people. I really do. But it's just not for me. Because I like to watch, if I was alive at the time, Bird and Magic. And you watch Magic play, and it's beautiful. Jordan floating through the air, switching hands as he goes for a reverse layup with his tongue sticking out. I mean, that is sexy basketball right there. And you got the Broad Street Bullies, and I'm sure they would argue that there was beauty to their game, but they would just bully you to a championship. And if you're a Detroit dude, you loved it. But I grew up here, right, outside of Pittsburgh. And to me, hockey is a beautiful game. There's skill, Lemieux, Yager, Coffey, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Kovalev, scoring titles, Firewagon hockey. Well, teams like the Broad Street Bullies spit in the face of that kind of hockey. Different era, but you get it, though. Hell, the Caps have skill, right? Of course they do. They've got Alex Ovechkin. They've got Nick Backstrom. But they've got this Flyers thing of the 1970s going on a little bit with Tom Wilson and TJ Oshie and Radko Gudis. <laughs> Hell, Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskanen even did some dirty shiz when they were on the Caps. I don't like it. I like skill. That's why I watch hockey, and frankly, that's why I watch basketball. I want to see the beautiful side of the game, and yes, you can make an argument that it's more nuanced what the Pistons did than what I'm saying that they did, 
But to me, it's never as aesthetically pleasing as what guys like Jordan and Bird and Magic did. And nothing that the Broad Street Bullies did in the 1970s is anywhere near as entertaining as any time Lemieux walked out onto the ice. Lemieux could have a bad game, and that's a hundred times more entertaining than what the Broad Street Bullies did ever. Bam! Mic drop. End scene. Nice. I will argue that I'm a fan of the Detroit Pistons at, at, in, in that era, but only as the necessary evil. This story isn't great yeah. without them. They don't. The adversity isn't there. Jordan finally getting past them. None of that is there. I mean, individually on that team, some of the coolest players ever. Rodman was on that team for God's sakes. Yeah. And you got Isaiah Thomas. Lambeer's actually a pretty cool dude. As a whole, they needed to figure out something to do to try to stop them. They couldn't do it playing basketball. So the only way they could shut Jordan down was to beat the living hell out of him. And I mean, hey, if that's your game plan that's where you go about it but what makes this story awesome is that jordan then takes his team after that last loss to them and says look we're working out in the offseason we're going to get out there you're all on board if they don't play like that none of that happens i sure jordan wins championships but i don't think the drive gets to the level that it got to if the pistons don't exist you are right about that and the Penguins couldn't win in the spectrum for the life of them either. And when they finally did, it was like they won a championship. When you beat them in a playoff series, it's like you win a championship. And Borky's talked to us about that, and he wrote it in his book. It does add a level of achievement to an already great achievement. Uh, the Capitals, this is different, but if they win the Stanley Cup not beating the Penguins, it tastes very good, but I'm sure that they would tell you it felt even better on the way by being able to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, you're right. There is something to that. Maybe more than just something to that. Jordan wound up, they won six friggin' titles. Yeah. I mean, the adversity in the 1990s for the Bulls was self-created, right? That's it if not for the Detroit Pistons. You know what? That's a good point. I do not like what the Pistons did, but I like that the Pistons did it because it meant that the Jordan-led Bulls had to overcome it. Great point, Brian. You, you got me there, buddy. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Every story needs a good villain, and you, you've, you've preached that before in the past with Tom Brady. It's always better when you have a villain in the mix, and Tom Brady's our villain as far as the Steelers are concerned, which will make uh, New England a lot less fun to play now, honestly. It will make them way less fun to play. It's just not going to be the same without Tom Brady. I know Steelers fans ain't going to like the Patriots, but that guy was really the straw that stirred their drink. I can't believe that Pippen got a migraine, the worst of his life, man. the night of a Game 7. Dude, you, That's just crappy. You can kind of see... Like Jordan thinking during that. You know, like yes. it's almost like he wants to be that bitch. Yes. What the hell? But, you know, he, he takes the high road a little bit. I mean, he does kind of show it with his eyes. But for real, man, I you don't know what that is. And and I don't know what it, that is. Is that folding under the pressure? Is it, uh, I mean, because Pippen wasn't like that later on. I don't remember any key games where he ever got a migraine. I, I don't remember the whole time when he was in Portland sitting down for a migraine. So I don't know if it was like a, a, a recurring thing. I, it's just that's a weird little piece of the whole history of it all. And you can tell that he's he kind of let down his team, and Jordan knows it. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with it, Brian. Spot on, I think. 
when Jordan is at the time saying, "Where's Scotty?" when he's doing the uh, the handshake line or the pump up the pump up huddle, right? And then afterwards, present day, quote unquote, when Jordan gets asked that the Scotty migraine game, <laughs> yeah. And then when asked about it, Jordan's like, I mean, the guy, he couldn't see. He's having a migraine. What are you going to do? It's just unfortunate. If they don't win six titles, if they never win, right? If he goes on to be Dan Marino of basketball, (laughs) he ain't ever talking to Pippen again. Ever. Ever. Goodbye. He's hanging out with Lambeer and Thomas before he's hanging out with Pippen, if that's the case. (laughs) Yes. You know who wouldn't, uh, well, you know who would hang out with Lambeer, but wouldn't hang out with Isaiah Thomas as the Patriots kicker? (laughs) That's a terrible transition. It is, but yeah, screw that guy. (laughs) We have the great and sponsored football statement filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined coming up in a couple of minutes here on the show, but I wanted to get this in first. The Patriots drafted a kicker, a kicker, mind you. They took the risk on a kicker who's got the three percenter symbol on his body how about that it's a white supremacy basically symbol that's tattooed on his body and the pats had to know white i mean right (laughs) i mean they didn't know what the tattoo on aaron hernandez meant that clearly meant he was shooting at people right but i always find it hard to believe even independent from that when these coaches are denying these things they're total control freaks and then they say they don't know everything like when you interview a coach like nick saban he wants to make it known oh i know everything oh i've got my fingers on everything in this program right because they want full credit and it's because it's largely true you're not a successful collegiate coach a coach at all a program builder or an organization a franchise leader if you don't have your tentacles in everything then when something like this happens, we, we hear, oh, no, I didn't know that that guy had a tattoo. Uh, I didn't, like, they're not vetting these dudes. Like, you don't see that thing. Like, Rick Patino didn't know about the hookers and strippers that were being brought to the recruiting parties. Seriously, Rick Patino never slept with those women. Now I'm just alleging things, but come on. What do, what do college guys like to talk about? Nay, what do men like to talk about in general? Sex and sports. You really think nobody's telling Rick Patino that there's people banging hookers? <laughs> Get out of here. Art Bryles didn't know he was recruiting and covering up for criminals. Joe Paw didn't know anything. These guys never sleep. They know everything. And that's the hoodies thing, right? That's Bill Belichick's thing. He didn't know the guy was a white supremacist. Then you see a reporter who used to work for the Patriots tweeting out that she's not surprised, which is either damning or just unfortunate shaming by her. I'm not saying Bill's a racist. I'm saying that Bill knew that this guy was and doesn't care. Well, dude, Roarwasser himself knew that it had become a problem because his actual actual explanation when asked about it was, yeah, I got this earlier in my life when I was younger, and I thought it was representative of showing support for our troops. 
And so it's unfortunate that it's become to be known as this. And and my only question is, dude, once you realize what that means now, why don't you get it covered then? If you're walking or look, you can afford to get a black mark over this or whatever you need to cover it. If it's really as bad and, and coming out like that, then cover the damn thing, dude. But for some reason, he knows it's bad now, but doesn't get it covered. And his name's Roar Wasser, which is very German. I feel, Brian, like (laughs) it'd be perfect for the onion to say, I can't even pronounce his name. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I think he did a great. Yeah, he walks out. Bill Belichick says, okay, could you please cover that before you come to practice? And then it shows all the Patriots standing there and the guy's just in a clan hood because that's what he used to cover up the tattoo that's on his arm. You know what, Coach? Yeah, I'll cover it, buddy. I got it right here for you. Coach, I got this robe. It'll cover it right up. No problem. (laughs) Roar Wasser. He landed on the right team. I mean, the, uh, I'll just tell you all those slot receivers. That's all I got to say. Up next, oh, my God, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. This is a very serious subject matter, and the Patriots should be in trouble for this. It's a shame. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Serious carpet and air duct cleaning. No more big box stores, but still doing floors. Check out their introductory offers. Three rooms clean for $99 or 10 vents clean for $199. Check them out today at SearsClean.com. That's SearsClean.com. I just saw a video of a guy shooting an arrow into a river to kill a fish. Yeah, that you can do that, man. I know you can. It just doesn't seem that hard. I mean, that does I mean, it depends how deep the, the river hell, is. It depends how deep it is. No, I mean, I guess that's true, but it's like that fish don't got a shot, man. At least stick a little stick something in the water that it can at least avoid, right? Like give the fish a fighting chance. You shoot an arrow through a fish like, come on. I, they I can't even see you. You're out of the water. Can I argue that it's better than like, hey, look at this delicious tree. Oh my god, there's a hook in my mouth. I lost that one too. This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. Your home of the Steelers. We're excited about getting the job done, obviously. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, 1047 HD2, the iHeartRadio app. And now on the new and improved signal in Allegheny County, 106.3 FM. This report is sponsored by Nature Valley Oats and Honey Crunchy Bars. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic. On the William Penn. ESPN Pittsburgh, the iHeartRadio app. I'm a big fan of things that connect generations if you allow it to connect generations. It's not, this is a terrible example, it's not like I'm talking about the coronavirus here. My great-grandma's like, well, I was there for the Spanish flu. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> getting to know somebody and, and using a, a point of interest or uh, a point where you could both kind of relate to, not not so much what I'm talking about. What I am talking about. I went a long way for that joke, and I am paying dearly for it right now as I flounder and dog paddle back to shore. I like that you can talk to people. I can talk to people like Brian. I mean, he's way older than me. I mean, my God. Thanks. About Michael Jordan, and this documentary gives us a point where we can both discuss together. I like that Michael Jordan was so 
transcendent, even outside of the game of basketball, that my wife wants to watch it. Now I can watch something sports-related with her, and she's not a huge sports fan. She's not a sports hater, but now we have something that we can watch together. I like that young fans and old fans can get together. I like that people who aren't interested in sports can still be interested in this documentary series. And, well, I guess more important than any of that is that over the course of now, what, the next three weeks, we're going to have something else to talk about now that the NFL draft's over. But right now, I've got NFL draft to talk about. What time is it, Braga? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Yeah, I had the doggy paddle back to shore there. Went a long way out for that joke. I'm very Woo! upset with myself. Sorry, you're back now, right? I'm back. Arms are a little tired, kind of out of breath, a little bit of water in the lungs, but hey, here I am back on shore. (laughs) I think the Anthony McFarlane pick can work for the Steelers if they allow it to work for them. This is something I touched on yesterday, but I think it's really important to seeing whether or not this draft class is actually quote-unquote successful. Is this Anthony McFarlane pick working? Because I thought that maybe the Steelers' biggest need going into the draft was their running game. And I think you can address that in a way with Chase Claypool who can take the top off the defense to help keep safeties back. I know that you can address the running game with Ben Roethlisberger being able to have more of a hand in the running game than, of course, the opposition being weary of his ability to challenge defenses. But I think you actually needed to add someone from a personnel standpoint. And I think whether or not Anthony McFarlane hits and hits this year will go a long way into determining whether or not this will have been deemed a successful draft class. Coming into the 2020 draft, I thought there were just three ways that the Steelers could have addressed their running game. First way, trade for a proven back like Leonard Fournette. That obviously did not happen. Two, they could have drafted a starting capable back like J.K. Dobbins. Or three, they could draft a player that could be used in a rotation with James Conner to lessen the workload for a player who's injured all the damn time. And the Steelers obviously here went with play and see. The running back by committee approach can work, and it has worked in modern times, and if you go back through history. This year, the 2019 Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, yes, they like to throw the ball a lot. They still ran for 100 yards a game. They didn't have a single player rush for over 500 yards. It's pretty good. Spread that rock around. 2018 Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, they've become famous for this, rushed for 2,000 yards, and four players had over 300 yards from scrimmage at the running back position, including two players who flirted for 1,000 yards from scrimmage if you add the receiving and rushing totals pretty darn good the super bowl champion 2017 eagles rushed for 2100 yards and they spread that load (laughs) among five running backs even the 49ers from this year didn't win the super bowl but went to the super bowl were able to have a ton of success with lesser known running backs like raheem mostert matt Breida, leading the way the steelers and mike tomlin have liked to feature just one running back willie parker until his leg fell off Rashard Mendenhall until he said, I'm out of town and I'm retiring. Le'Veon Bell until he said, I'm out of town. 
in James Conner, well, they feature him until he gets hurt every year. The Steelers, I don't think, by most people's estimation, drafted a starter caliber running back in the 2020 draft. They did, though, I think, draft a player that they think could be a solid complementary piece in Anthony McFarland, who adds something that this team doesn't have, and that's breakaway speed. James Conner could hit you for 20, could hit you for 40. James Conner ain't running away from safeties. Anthony McFarland can because he has. Look at the tape from Maryland versus Ohio State a couple of years ago. In the long-storied history of the Ohio State University in the Big Ten, you don't really ever see players go for 300 against the Buckeyes. He did. The question isn't whether or not Anthony McFarland's good. I actually think he is. He was injured this last year, which kept him from having similar production to the year before, and he's kind of a Dick LeBeau head, right? Will Mike Tomlin use him as a complimentary piece? Will he give him 8 to 10 carries a game? Now, history would indicate that he won't. Mark Caboli joined us earlier on the show and said he thinks he will. We'll see. James Connors hurt all the time. When he's healthy, he's productive. The best way to keep him healthy is to lessen his load. I don't think anybody would argue that James Conner, when healthy, isn't a starter-capable back. I think he might even be a top-10 runner in the NFL when he's healthy. He's just never healthy. But the best way to keep him that way is to give other dudes some run. Now, thanks to Ben, the offense figures to be more productive in 2020 with teams unable to stack that box. And given that setup, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Benny Snell can be an average short yardage back if the Steelers decide to use him that way. I don't think it's a stretch either to think that McFarland can add a change of pace if the Steelers would allow him to do so. And I hope, in a big way, as somebody who would like to see the Steelers be successful, that Mike Tomlin goes with a little bit of a running back rotation in some capacity this year. It could help ensure that James Conner has more to give at the end of the year. It's worked for other teams. Now it's time for Mike Tomlin to get with the times and let that school of thought work here in Pittsburgh for the first time with him as head coach. It's been since 2007. I'm not optimistic, but I think it makes too much sense to not do. I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan. I think this is one of his big shortcomings. Now, with Le'Veon Bell, I never had that big of a problem with him being the feature back, even though he was getting injured all the time. Because he was just so good, you felt weird about taking him off the field. James Conner's good. He ain't that good. I think that the Steelers need to go running back by committee if they want to have a better chance of running the ball successfully this year. Mike Tomlin said in his Zoom meeting last week that they're going to run the ball more effectively this year regardless of whether or not they've got a different running back in there. Well, I can't do the same thing over and over again and expect different results you got to give James Conner a little bit of a breather. And you do that by working in Anthony McFarland. That is the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by 2B Determined. Tim Ben's going to join us next to look over the Steelers draft class. And I also want to get his thoughts on the NHL and their potential reopening. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Looking for a personal injury attorney? Our experienced personal injury attorneys have years of experience getting the kind of results that you're looking for with your personal injury claim. We will fight to get everything you deserve, and you don't pay a dime unless we win. Yablonski, Costello, and Leckie, your compensation lawyers. YCLawfirm.com. Clear. I said clear. 
That that song, every time we do the damn segment, it's in my head for like an hour after. You know what I've taken to doing a lot now these days in texting on Twitter, Brian? What's that? Sending like six or seven exclamation points in a row. Ah, you're on the exclamation. I can't say exclamation, but you're on the exclamation point thing. Train. Train. (laughs) You know what I mean. You're doing that a lot. Yes. You're doing that a lot. Yes, I am using exclamation points a lot. Sounds like it. This report is sponsored by Discover. We treat you like you'd treat you. ESPN Pittsburgh Traffic. On the Parkway North, the HOV lanes, they remain closed until further notice. Turnpike not accepted. Studios, make the call. Download the app today. WBGGAM Pittsburgh. Tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, no, finish your tweet. It's not your text, just give us a second. 